Welcome, welcome into the 57th episode of the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. This week, we are recapping week one, uh, doing a good job of it. At that, we have some reports from around the realm, crystal ball time. We're going to go over last week's picks, this upcoming week's picks with crystal ball, and we have just a league-wide analysis of who stunk up the place and who definitely looks a lot better than we thought would. Uh, before we get into it, wanted to thank Underdog. Underdog is the presenting sponsor of our podcast. Use code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, for a $100 deposit match. Again, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y. And wanted to say shout out to Matt Driscoll on Twitter. Matt won our signed Javonta Williams jersey giveaway. We posted that on Twitter. So wanted to, again, shout out Driscoll. Congratulations. It was a big, big win. Uh, and through getting to know him over the last maybe year or so uh, with the podcast and everything. Couldn't expect it to go to a better guy. So with that being said, let's get into the episode. Here we go. Why, hello there, my fellow kings and queens. Welcome to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast, where you will learn how to rule over your Dynasty League for years to come. Now, allow me to introduce you to your hosts, Max, Peter, and Jace. Here we go. Episode number 57 of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Back again another week. And this week just feels different. There's some more juice because we got to see some football this past week. Max holding it down in Cleveland along with super producer Nick C. Jace out in the desert. It is Wednesday, September 14th. Whoever you may be, however you may be listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, welcome in. Gentlemen, congratulations on making it through week one. Peter, it was amazing. You know, nothing like not leaving your couch all Sunday. Thursday was epic. A lot of wacky games. I mean, we had a tie. The Browns got a week one win. I know you went to the Jets game, but I'm just happy it's back. I know the boys are happy it's back. JB, how were your thoughts this weekend? They were good. I was really, really, really excited. I mean, it's, it's, I can't believe that we're actually watching football. Like, I felt like this offseason was just super crazy and it took forever to get here uh, because the offseason was eventful and we had a bunch of stuff going on to keep us distracted. But um, yeah, kind of a funky week with a lot of these teams, a lot of the underdogs taking away wins and covering spreads and, uh, all kinds of stuff, but I'm currently in the midst of fancy baseball playoffs and I have to keep reminding myself, like the only thing you care about can't just be football. Now, like I still got to lock it in with the baseball stuff. Uh, I'm like right in the middle of playoff matchups right now. So I am just, there's a lot going on right now. A lot of sports, a lot of goodness. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to keep the train moving. Super producer. Yeah, dude. Just, share the sentiment uh can't believe football's back and for me like i've won some fantasy matchups and lost them but as long as the brownies come home with a dove that's all i care about bro <laughs> yeah the uh can't say the same thing for the jets it was pretty rough not gonna lie uh being at the game and just to add insult to injury it rained so sitting uh wet in the stands watching the uh new york football jets just get pummeled by the uh, the Ravens was really demoralizing, but I had a great time going with my dad. Pete, I uh, I know you're a season ticket holder. How were the seats? Were they everything you expected or more? Or? They were actually very good seats. I was 
pleasantly surprised. This was my first time in my seat. I didn't go to any preseason games living as far away as I do. Uh, but it was a lot of fun. I'm going to probably plan on going to one more game, you know, probably around like week eight, maybe week seven, six, uh, and then one game in the back end and sell the rest of the tickets. But no, it was a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. And, and the tickets were really nice. And I, actually, quick shout out to you, Max, for helping me talk and negotiate. Well, you're welcome, Peter. I, I just did my part. We got you down on the field, though. I think that was one of the extra benefits that you got from that. Yeah. Calais Campbell is a very big human being. That's, that's something <laughs> I will say. Um, but enough uh, dragging out. We got a big show ahead of us. Like I mentioned before, we have reports from around the realm, and then we're going to be doing a deep dive into our crystal ball picks from last week, our ones moving forward, and just looking in note. Uh, looking ahead at some uh, notable busts, some notable breakouts uh, from this past week. Just kind of giving you a really great recap of the past week and a great looking point springboard moving forward. Before we get into the episode, did want to say a little pop culture with Pete. We always do this every week, something going on in the world. Albert Pujols, grandpa, hits his 657th moves to, I believe, third all-time, third or fourth, uh, passing A-Rod. You know, he's been a difference maker for the Cardinals down the stretch here, uh, really helping them in their playoff push. What geezer, what old fart is going to help your fantasy team make the playoffs this season? No Tom Brady talk. Oh, no Tom Brady. Um, I don't really have one right now. I'll let JB go first. Got to be Julio Jones for me. Uh, I, I think Julio looks, I mean – spry out there i mean they had him clocked running over 20 miles an hour at one point um you know over time he's just going to get more and more integrated into that offense chris godwin's going to be missing some time here russell gage was a ghost out there and didn't even look like himself um i I think julio's in for some big games if he can stay healthy and it's just one of those beautiful narratives one of those beautiful football narratives you know it's the late season or the you know, resurgence at the end of Randy Moss's career and Jerry Rice, you know, maybe it's not all, uh, it's not completely that yet, but I mean, with the way he looks out there, I I could see it happening. So it's gotta be Julio for me. I got laughed at no less than a month ago for saying that he was going to have a good year. Uh, Yeah. He, I mean, he's popping off, man. It was all, uh, I I think, I don't remember exactly how I felt at the moment. I, I think, I was halfway there, 60% there, but after watching him run around, if he's on the field, like I'm in for sure. I don't know if he's going to do exactly what like Antonio Brown did last season, but I bet it can be pretty darn close. Yeah. He, he looked really, really good. The old fart that I'm going to go with is Austin Eckler. Didn't have that big of a week one, obviously. I don't know. Austin Eckler. I know you love fantasy. So if you're listening, you're not too old, man. He's uh he's a little old for me. So 27 years old, didn't have the best week one, but I think he's going to have just an absolute killer season, um, especially with Keenan Allen missing some time. Super producer. Yeah, I got, uh, I got two actually. My first one is the big boy, Travis Kelsey, the King Bearcat himself. I mean, Travis Kelsey is just in for a monster season like everybody knew. And then uh, the second player for me is going to be Cordero Patterson. Honestly, he's 31 years old himself. And um, in a lot of my underdog drafts, especially oh, the best him. ball mania three ones, he was the the player I had drafted the most out of any player. So the consummate I, value. Yep. Hope he just Love keeps it. it up. 
All right. Yeah. For, for me, my old fart uh, didn't put on a great show last week, but the snap percentage and the type of offense he's going to be in really helps me. I think Melvin Gordon was a great value in drafts and will help a lot of teams, especially at depth and running back. Uh, I think the, uh, the fantasy footballers maybe two years ago kind of came up with the stat where they realized so many first round running backs end up losing, I think more than like five or six games in a season uh, at some point. So your running back depth is extremely important, especially in deeper leagues. So Melvin Gordon, the spot he was going at, uh, you know, they always say if Javonta Williams is able to get a full workload, what if Javonta Williams goes down and Melvin gets that full 100% snap? I think it would be really, really, really scary. And again, he's 29 years old, definitely not a dynasty hold, but if you're going for it this year in redraft uh, or in a dynasty and you're a contender, I think he's one of those pieces that's very cheap, but very, very um, important on your rosters. All right. With that being said, let's get into the show. But first, let's hear a word from our sponsor, our presenting sponsor, Underdog Fantasy, it is back another week. Underdog Fantasy is the presenting sponsor of the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Underdog Fantasy lets you draft a season-long team, and now they're doing daily fantasy for Thursday night, Monday nights, and all those loved Sunday games from 1 p.m. all the way through the late, late games. Underdog is the best ball platform where they take your draft, no waivers, no trades, no et cetera. And your best players are automatically put in your starting lineup. I'm going to read off my uh, puppy team that is currently in first place, not in all of the, uh, I believe, 50,000 entrants, but in first place in my division uh, and is in the money right now. So I have Josh Allen, Kirk Cousins and Superflex, Cordell Patterson and Kareem Hunt both went off for 21 points. Devontae Adams, C.D. Lamb put up a stinker, but I have Jalen Waddle who helped it out. Chris Godwin, all wide receiver depth for days, and Dallas Goddard. That team took home first place this week and kept me in the money. Nixie, I know you're really big on underdog. I know we were just talking about Cordero. Who was somebody else that you were taking a flyer on that helped pay off this week? One guy, not like superstar powered, like didn't really have a big blow up game, but I pretty much took him as my second quarterback in a lot of these drafts was Ryan Tannehill and he ended up having like 20 points. So a couple of leagues, I had Tom Brady in. Tom Brady only threw up like 10. They just threw in Tannehill for me. So that's the the beauty of best ball right there. All right. And again, Underdog Fantasy, the presenting sponsor of the podcast and the best ball platform that we use here at the Dynasty Monarchy podcast. Use our code MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and get a free deposit match up to $100. So MONARCHY, M-O-N-A-R-C-H-Y, and get a free deposit match up to $100 in bonus cash. Let's win some money this season. Let's move into reports. All right, quick reports section. Not too, too much going on in the league, uh, I'm sure. Skip Bayless was having a heart attack this morning talking on his show with Shannon Sharp uh, and to the delight of Stephen A. Smith, Dak Prescott is now out for six to eight weeks with the thumb injury. We understand that Dak's dynasty value, the needle really won't shift uh, or move until we see what actually happens with him uh, when he comes back. But let's talk about his auxiliary pieces here and CeeDee Lamb, Zeke, Pollard, et cetera. What are we feeling for them moving forward? 
In a competitive redraft format, I mean, obviously I'm worried about CeeDee Lamb. Zeke looked pretty good in week one. Pollard did not look very good in week one. But when you look at it from a dynasty aspect, I really don't think much changes. I think CD needs to demand the ball more. Um, I know, Peter, you would agree to that one. But overall, nothing really changes. I do worry a little bit just about, like, we saw Russ injure his thumb last year, come back, and not be able to sling the rock the same way. Took him some time. So if that happens, I would really be trying to sell my Cowboys now beforehand. But right now, nothing really changes for me from a dynasty perspective. And uh, from redraft or anything competitive-wise, I would be looking to unload all my Cowboys. Yeah, things are definitely worrisome from a redraft standpoint uh, going into this season. I mean, it's going to be Cooper Rush, and man, I don't know. In a full PPR, maybe CeeDee Lamb can hold a little bit of his value, but all the touchdown upside, all of the you know, 10, 12 reception games, those are going to be far and few between if they're anywhere at all. So I'm panicking in a redraft setting. I'm not going to sell just yet. Let's see what happens first. I mean, people are fresh off the news, so you're probably not going to get the greatest value anyways right now. So just hold a little bit and see what happens. From a dynasty perspective, if you're a rebuilder, I mean, here's your here's your main target in dynasty this offseason or during this season. Um, approaching next offseason. Go try to get your hands on C.D. Lamb. Remember how we were feeling about him before this game, before Dak got hurt. That's how we're going to be feeling in a year's time when Dak comes back. Maybe a little bit of the luster is lost, but I think CD's a great buy low, and if he's slipping out of the you know, top five best dynasty wide receivers at any point this year and you can pay anything lower than that, I'm buying right back in because Dak will be back next season. All right, let's move on. Elijah Mitchell, sprained MCL, likely to miss two months. I know he wasn't the most popular dynasty football player. Uh, and even so in redraft, just because of the uncertainty in San Francisco, what is your outlook for him when he comes back? We saw last year he came back from an injury and played, but I feel like this is a lot of time for a different back to put up meaningful results. Yes, I agree exactly with what you said, Peter. I don't really think he's going to have much value when he comes back. They invested no draft capital in him. He was a, a sixth-round rookie last year. Yes, he did really well. He did his time. But I think Jordan Mason, I think Jeff Wilson, TDP, who I was very high on um, earlier this offseason, I think if one of them makes a meaningful impact, I think it'll be hard to win your job back. Yeah, I think this craters Elijah Mitchell's dynasty capital for a little while i mean we just know what a revolving door the san francisco backfield has been over the past few years and now it's just i mean no one can stay healthy over there it's so wild that every year we just have such high turnover at that specific position on that specific team through so many guys so yeah you know his career is trending much more towards what jeff wilson's is rather than like what i mean i don't know they haven't sustained someone in so long that i can't even think of anyone so it's tough, tough loss for him. I think it's going to be a hodgepodge. They're going to ride the hot hand. And by the time he gets back, that could totally, that could be TDP. That could be Jordan Mason. I mean, they could sign someone off the street and it could be him. Like you just don't know who it's going to be there. All right. Moving on. Chris Godwin uh, reached a little too low and his hammies started screaming hamstring strain. Uh, he's going to miss some time off the ACL. He looked very good. He looked very juiced up to get out there. I don't know if they shot him full of something for the pain or he was just really feeling it out there, but uh, maybe a little bit too excited on the field uh, and aggravated his hamstring. 
He's going to miss some time. I think in Dynasty, this is the perfect time to buy Chris Godwin. We saw for a fact that he is elite at the position and was good. Even though he might have not put up the fantasy performance, you saw just in his the way he was popping that the ACL, there's no problem there. I think this is the perfect time to buy him, knowing that you're on the other side of the ACL injury and it's just a little hamstring injury moving forward. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, he's 26 years old. I actually went out and tried to buy him today for a 2024 first round pick, which honestly, I feel like you can get the right owner to sell on that price, just given his history and stuff like that. So I'm a hundred percent going out there trying to buy Chris Godwin. I do worry about Tom Brady in the long run, but I'm very, very high on Chris Godwin. Yeah. I, I think buy low where his value is currently going to be at, especially in a couple of weeks, once we get used to not seeing him score points, other players start scoring points. It's values change so quickly week to week at this point in the season. Um, we've waited so long to see these guys score. So it's, it's so easy to just kind of overreact to everything and dramatically shift rankings and that uh, things of that nature. So if he does ever get to the point where we were valuing him at the same price as we were this off season in the, or actually right as things were heating up and we were kind of looking at him almost pre ACL, maybe with a slight discount in the long run, I might think to sell on that one because Max, you brought up Tom Brady is not going to be there for much longer. They're going to have to enter, you know, they're going to have to go grab someone else at quarterback either through the draft or through trade. And I mean, that could end up real bad and, uh, that could hurt Godwin in the long run. So I, I might be a seller in the long in the long run and in dynasty. All right, we have hamstring brothers. So Chris Godwin's got the hammy, and now Keenan Allen likely to miss week two Thursday night football against the Chiefs for any of those out there living under a rock. That's going to be a great game. Keenan Allen, again, likely to miss this week. He's up there in age. We don't know how long this is going to last. Kind of happy I dealt him right before the season started now. But let's talk Keenan Allen uh, is going to be missing this time. Yeah, I'm. we can talk Keenan Allen all you want. Mike Will is going to have a monster, monster game this week. Um, go out and try to buy that no. dip. You play redraft. If you're no. the you dynasty, you're a competitor. Don't do it. Peter? You're better than Mike Williams. I want everybody out there to know that you're better than Mike Williams. JB, back me up here, man. You're above. You're above trading for Mike Williams. Oh, I Mike hope Williams he in the playoffs is going to go nuts. I'm very much <laughs> on that train. I mean, they just paid this guy, gave him an extension. He's currently healthy. They tried to use him like an elite alpha at the beginning of last season. Sure. We saw him disappear and we can talk a little bit more about that later, but I think he's just going to get force fed the ball. And with his athletic profile, I mean, it's going to be fun, but Keenan Allen long-term, this is not looking good, but it, you know, Guys get hamstrings all the time. If he takes care of it, there's a there's a, so much season left. I think as a competitor uh, in a dynasty format, if you can find the, the the right guy that's rostering him, you could get a panic sell right now. And I think he's a person I would go buy the injury dip on. I think he'll be around for the end of the season. Or I mean, who knows how much time he could he could miss one week, two weeks. I mean, yeah. at, on a you know 17 week season, that's absolutely nothing. I feel like him and Mike Evans are very similar players. Um, so if you believe in Mike Evans, I believe in Justin Herbert just as much as I believe in Tom Brady being able to sustain a wide receiver this year. So I really think Keenan Allen, when he comes back healthy, is going to be a great value for people that traded for him. 
All right, let's move into the last one. Darren Waller signs a three-year $51 million deal. <laughs> Darren Waller, that's going to hold him there through the 2025 season, I believe. So let's talk. Just given his age and what the matchup looked like yesterday or two days ago, I guess you can say now. I mean, with Devontae Adams demanding what he does, um, Hunter Renfro, I get he's only 26 year old, 26 years old. He's more of like a third down guy, but I don't know. I've been out on Darren Waller for a while now in the dynasty format, just because of his age, the situation, his injury, like how he can stay healthy. So I'm out on Darren Waller, but good for him. I mean, he really does deserve it after everything that he went through. So from a non-fantasy perspective, like I'm really, really happy for the guy. I think this is great for Darren Waller. I wouldn't have liked to see him go anywhere else. I mean, the connection that he's developed with Carr over the last few years is great. I mean, we saw a couple of freak seasons out of Darren Waller uh, in not too recent history. So I'm excited that he's there. I think this hurts Hunter Renfro a ton because I do think at the end of the day, Devontae Adams and Darren Waller are just more talented uh maybe not running routes but when they catch the ball i feel like they can make a lot more happen and they're much more impactful in the red zone being as big as they are so i don't know if darren waller's price starts to approach two three second round picks and i'm going for it or close to going for it i'm all in on that um a 24 first maybe if you could get like darren waller and something back i think i could i i'm probably in on that um but i'm i'm excited i'm excited he was banged up coming into this game uh, put up four catches, 79 yards. I mean, not bad. This team's going to score a lot of points, and I think he's going to be a part of it. So I'm excited. All right. We have a Twitter question to wrap up reports. We have a Twitter question from our boy over at FF Faceoff, Steve Ransbottom. He's saying, quote, unquote, was Pitts bad due to the Saints defense or Mariota? If Mariota, if it is Mariota, will it be a season-long problem until they go to Ritter? Max, I'll let you start as the local hotlanian. Yes, I. Uh, my dad does live in Atlanta. I also recently acquired Kyle Pitts in Dynasty, so I'm not really concerned from a Dynasty perspective. I don't think Ritter or Mariota really makes a difference. It's just a short-term value at quarterback, whether they go out and they get Stroud or another quarterback in the draft or a couple of years. Um, I'm not too worried. As a competitor, we talked about this in our group chat a little bit, I want nothing to do with Kyle Pitts as a competitor. I mean, I think he's going to have some games where, yes, he can get you 100 yards and a touchdown. But for the most part, I think he's going to have games around 50, 60 yards and like four catches. And that you just, you need more than that for the return that you're getting on your investment. Yeah, I've been quite the Kyle Pitts naysayer in both our group chat. And last week, he was my crystal ball boom or bus prediction of the week. Kyle Pitts, that is. And yeah, I'm just concerned. I think. You know, the defense, you could use it as an argument because the Saints are supposed to be good and they have Marshawn Lattimore. But the Falcons were winning for the majority of this game and up pretty big at times. So it's not like the defense was playing outstanding. Uh, this, the, the Falcons were winning and Kyle Pitts just wasn't a reason why. He racked up seven targets, caught two balls for 19 yards. His longest reception was 11 yards. Drake London also had seven targets and he turned it into five catches, 74 yards. Uh, with a long of 31. So it's going to be Marcus Mariota who ran, I think, 12 times in that game. You know, they might be passing a little bit more when they're chasing some points here and there. But if Drake London's going to step into this offense and demand a decent target share, I just I I worry that Kyle Pitts is going to be uh, 
just pretty boom bust here until he gets a quarterback that can sustain one or two options over the full course of a season. Yeah, I can see both sides of that. Being the man that just traded away Pitts to Max, I will say he does concern me for redraft this year. Um, he's just a scary player because when you build up this much potential, you know, it's uh, it's the old adage in business where it's quote unquote too big to fail. Uh, and that just really scares me because if something's too big to fail, most of the times it does. Um, so, you know, the Titanic, a little too big to fail. We know where that one went, but uh, I don't know. I, I think he will be fine. And again, it's going to be about finding that quarterback. And we know a certain man in Carolina that just can't seem to find that quarterback to sustain him. So maybe the next quarterback for DJ Moore will help, but let's move on into our crystal ball recap. The Monarchs went a perfect, if I could say perfect, 6-0 and on their crystal ball recaps. We had the voodoo. We had the magic. I think I saw Max doing some weird rituals in the forest to get his picks going. But we hit all six on the nose. Yeah, all baby. six players. All three booms were good. All three busts were bad. Very bad at that. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. Max, your boom and bust. Yeah, so my boom was Mike Thomas, and the report came out right before from Jay Glazer that he could be on a snap count, and I'm like, oh, here we go. Um, Long story short, that was not really the case. Michael Thomas really led their comeback. Five catches, 57 yards, two touchdowns. Um, In half point, he had 20.2 fantasy points, which was awesome. Um, I expect that from, I don't expect two touchdowns every week, but I really do think he can score every week with Jameis. Um, and then my bust was Cam Akers. I didn't think he'd do this bad. Three carries for zero yards, zero points. You really can't get worse than that. I guess you could do one carry for zero Max, yards. It can always get worse. Never forget that. I guess it can. But I mean, I am genuinely very, very, very concerned with Cam Akers moving forward. Um, but I will pass it along to you, JB. So, yeah, the wild thing about Michael Thomas, actually, I want to talk about him for a second, is he was on like a strict snap count. He only played 61% of the snaps, still racked up eight targets, caught five balls, 57 yards, and two touchdowns. And, I mean, granted, this team was chasing points, as we talked about earlier, so maybe they had to air it out a little more than uh, they usually will, having the offensive line that they have and Alvin Kamara and just, you know, some of the trends that we saw last season. Um, with them really handing Kamara the rock. I I think this is great for Thomas. Um, The one thing I do worry about a little bit, though, is Jarvis Landry looked incredible in this game as well. Chris Olave looked pretty solid. I do worry about the consistency week to week and if it's going to be a little bit bit messy where Olave is going to have his games and then Landry is going to have his games and Michael Thomas is going to have his. And I'm just wondering if Jameis and this offense can sustain – uh, two or three weapons that are, you know, in the top 24 for wide receivers. So um, it's going to be fun to see that scenario play out. And uh, for Cam Akers, I mean, just to keep it short, I am worried if I'm a dynasty holder right now, I'm looking for the next window to get off that train as soon as possible because uh, last season, one of my overreactions at the beginning of the season was Daryl Henderson was going to end up, he played so well up to that point, he worked himself into a timeshare. And week one of the following season, he outsnaps Cam Akers, out uh, rushing attempts him, and he out-targeted him in the passing game with five targets. So things are not looking good for Akers. Max? 
just real quick, what would you guys pay for Cam Akers right now? Oh, nothing. I would. I am not investing right now. I mean, maybe, maybe two seconds if you're you need extra running back depth on a run and hope maybe Henderson goes down. Um, he's really risky, man. Like, I think JB. What's really nice about this podcast is we always find a way to not only have an angle on every player when it comes to the different lenses that dynasty provides, but it's, it's also that we're inside of those, those lenses. Like I'm competing, super producers competing. Jace is kind of tearing his team down and Max is in full rebuild uh, and just trading and trading and trading. So we kind of have that angle where I can see cam makers from a competitive side and be like, why would I want this guy on my roster? And Jason Max can see him and be like, why would I want this guy on my roster? So being inside of both of these lenses and, and both these, these pieces, I just think that he is a long-term hold for whoever has him. Cause at this point he's, he's worth a couple pennies only face up pennies though. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I just think if you're selling, you're not getting anything worth your while. I mean, it, it is a hold if you're rostering him right now. Um, but for my boom bust picks for last week's crystal ball for my boom, I had Jerry Judy and Oh boy, that game. I mean, I wasn't even watching. I was actually taking the trash out. I had the game playing on my phone in my pocket and I heard, Oh, Judy's got the ball. Oh, da, da, da. he's separating. Oh, he's running for it. And then I heard end zone. And I just like lost it. I mean, I can't believe it. First week, he kind of rewards me a little bit because I've been backing him for quite some time now. Uh, took a risk trading Chris Olave for him straight up in our most important league. And um, the NFL dynasty community on Twitter did not like that so much in a poll that we put out. So it was a little bit, it, it was just really nice to see Judy go off seven targets, four receptions, 104 yards and a touchdown good for 18.2 half PPR points. I'm pumped to see what he's got for the rest of this season. Every game. I mean, the start of the game was so weird. The wide receivers didn't get targeted till like halfway through the second quarter, their third string tight end caught like four balls right out of the shoot. And like, I mean, Javonta Williams had what 11 targets in that game caught 10 balls. I mean, so much of that stuff I don't think is going to happen week to week. And I think some monster games are due for both Judy and Sutton. And if you have them hold them uh, and hold them tightly, but my bus was Kyle Pitts. Someone we kind of talked about earlier. Uh, what I say, seven targets, two catches, 19 yards. I'm not going to sit and talk on him too long. Mariota worries me. And uh, we know Ritter is going to come in at some point and he really, really worries me. So, I just don't think it's Pitts's year, but in Dynasty, I'm buying low during the season. I'm buying low after this season. I'm still all the way in long-term Dynasty-wise. Yeah, I, I guess, I mean, we talk about Pitts a lot on this pod, so we don't really have to continue that that train. But Judy, man, I mean, Jace, I was so happy for you. I mean, we are the big Denver Broncos wide receivers fans with Sutton and Judy. And honestly, both looked really, really well, really good, um, I should say. Judy got the touchdown. Um, Sutton had a couple of deep ball opportunities, but Judy's speed, man. When I was watching, I was like, man, this guy is fast. Like you give him the ball in open field, he can score anytime, anywhere. So just with Russ's arm and stuff like that, playing in Denver too, I think it in that division, we've talked about it so much, but those wide receivers, like you said, hold them tightly. If, if you can and you can go out and buy Sutton this week, 
because he, he did not score and he only put up like he had a pretty modest game. Um, if you could buy him low right now, please go out and do it. I mean, oh, yeah. I think I think his value's still climbing right now. Totally agree. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm with you guys. I was clowning on Judy last week. Uh, I saw what that offense can do, and to be honest, I remember when I saw him get in the end zone. I, I had a weird smirk on my face and it was like a smirk of defeat. And I texted Jace in our big group chat and I said some expletives, uh, but in the best way possible. So, yeah, baby. so I, I, I concede, I concede on that. I'm not wrong about Mike will though. I've been backed up too many times about Mike will, but <laughs> we got a long season for both guys. We'll see Judy very can still true. just crap the bed, but I mean, Oh, the speed was on display. All right. Let's move into mine. Uh, I went, and I kind of get clowned on my take here uh, that this guy could put up a competitive offensive performance given his game last year. I'm going to read off his stats from the prior year. Jalen Hurts uh, in his game versus the Lions last year. I mentioned it on last week's podcast, so let me pull it up again. Yeah, so last year against Detroit, Jalen was 78% of snaps, 14 attempts for 100 yards and 70 yards on the ground. He had 11.2 points and heard some boos, heard some yays, heard some nays uh, from the crowd about playing him this week, given his stat line the week before it was on full display, man, what the Eagles want to do on offense uh, 32 attempts. His completion percentage was a little too low for my liking uh, at 18 for 32. He had 243 yards and 90 yards on the ground. He had more rushing yards this week than Derrick Henry. He had a rushing touchdown sprinkled in there, 24.72 points. More to come from Jalen Hurts. He will put up stinkers this year. That's the way it is. Every quarterback's going to put up a stinker once in a while. He'll have a game where he doesn't run the ball well and has bad passing. And But when he hits, he's going to hit hard, and he's going to guarantee you that mid to upper level 20 games every week. My bust from this past week was Zeke. I said just GG easy, no stats outside of last year's. Piss poor performance, the three P's, piss poor performance uh, against the Bucks. So this past week, he put up 52 yards on 10 carries and one reception for negative three yards. So Zeke definitely did not look like him this week. Yeah. Did you guys see Zeke's helmet? What are, what are our thoughts on Zeke's futuristic helmet? I, I kind of like I think I think he had puffy eyes underneath it. If that makes any sense to anybody, <laughs> I uh, I think a, a few players on that team had like the futuristic helmets. I think Pollard's was like that too. So I don't know. It looked kind of fresh to me. I'm into it. I think it. Uh, did you guys ever play that game, Backbreaker Football? I think it was an iPhone game. You had to tilt your phone side to side and avoid guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think those were the style helmets in that video game. I think that's what that was reminding me of. But um. Great game. That's probably still in the app store for anyone out there. I mean, give it a shot if you never have. It's fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Zeke game, he looked terrible. I felt like he was going to play terrible. Uh, one of my article plays was him under 46 and a half rushing yards, all kinds of stats behind it. He went over by six yards. That I mean, that hurts so bad. Uh, or not six yards. What do you go for? No, it was like seven or six. Yeah, I played yeah. it. And we got like 53, 54. So it was, it was Oh, tough. yeah. No, no. Yeah. He went over, uh, he went over by six yards, 52 yards. 
that was pain. I mean, just he had a couple big burst runs where it was just like I could not believe he was getting that deep into the secondary for the Bucks. That line just it showed up, but it didn't show up enough for our props. So that hurt. Zeke's washed. I think we know that against super stingy opposing defenses like the Bucks, Zeke's probably going to be a sit and redraft for me. Um, and depending on my format, if I can find a higher upside uh, running back to replace him, but hurts, man. Holy crap. 17 carries 90 yards and a touchdown on the ground on the ground. Like here's this RB one. And then let's add points for 243 passing yards on top. Like that is safety. That is the definition of rushing upside. That's the definition of a rushing floor. Like, Imagine if he throws two touchdowns on that. He's easily the number one quarterback on the yeah. week or pretty they handed, close to it. They handed the ball off. I think they had like 36 points, and they didn't throw a passing touchdown. Yeah. It's... So they had six rushing touchdowns. Imagine if you sprinkle two of them in his passing touchdowns. Exactly. So, I mean, good Lord. I'm I'm all the way on, on, on Hertz for sure. Yeah, it was – I was just going to bring that up. Uh, Boston Scott got one, Kenny Gainwell got one, and Miles Sanders got one. I mean – you're not going to see that every game. If Jalen Hurts throws two touchdowns or even does a QB sneak there, you're looking at 30, 35 points. And like you said, you're not going to see that every game. Um, but I think his floor with the rushing upside with A.J. Brown, I did want to bring up a question here while we're on the topic. Devonta Smith, are we concerned with Devonta? Zero cut. The guy was, uh, I don't know who made the tweet or someone made a funny, said he was just doing cardio out there. Yeah, him, him and Allen Robinson. Yeah, I'm freaking out over Devonta Smith. I mean, long, long term, I think he'll end up being fine eventually. And I think he'll have his games this year. But yeah. four targets, zero receptions, A.J. Brown just crushing. I mean, what was his final stat line? I think we we're going to save it for it's later. Like 153. But 13 targets, 10 receptions, 155 yards. Like, A.J. Brown is – they paid him the bag. They, you know, they made the trade. It's a, uh, it's AJ Brown season, and it's going to be like that all year. So Devonta Smith and redraft, or over the next two seasons, if Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown are together, I'm I'm very worried for Devonta Smith. Yeah, I don't know about Smith. I think that he has the talent. Obviously, when I look at him, I, I think he has kind of a similar upside to, and I'm going to probably get yelled at for this, but CD Lamb. The only difference is that CD Lamb has the opportunity. That's the only difference in value between the two guys for me. I think skill set, they're around the same. I mean, uh, I think, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yes. ability-wise, I could I could see it. But if their situation's equal, I could see it. Um, but, man, I mean, it's so tough. It's so tough when AJ is in town. He's the man. And he played I like it. I really think that CD carries like extra value because he wears number 88 in Dallas. I really do. I think if you take CD lamb and you put him on the Tennessee Titans, I don't think he's worth the same price. I, I get he has Dak and it's just the, I don't even know what the word is. The persona, the, the energy around Dallas. It's like, Oh, this is Dallas's number one receiver. It's like CD lamb. It's the name. It's the number to me. And I really do agree. I think that the only difference between him and Devonta Smith is opportunity, Peter. All right, let's move on. We, we've done our go over the crystal ball from last week. Just going to run through some quick notable busts and notable breakouts. Two seconds on each. Allen Robinson. 
Two well, catch, two targets, one reception, twelve yards. Does this change? Yes or no? Yeah, I'm going to go with yes. Yes, it changes it. positive upside. Smith. Bobby, here I'll go real quick. Bobby Trees last season at the beginning of last year in this offense struggled, and then McVay made a point to get him in the ball. I think that's coming for Allen Robinson. If you're on Twitter, you saw the videos of Robinson getting open all game. So, no, Robinson's going to be good. All right, Devonta. Yes. Four, four targets, zero receptions. Will it get better? No. No. You think four targets is – what is his ceiling for targets this year? Eight? He'll have – he'll have a – I bet he'll have an eight to ten game somewhere, especially if A.J. Brown misses time. He can have plenty of those games. But when the both are on the field, I think five, six catches and some yards is the ceiling for Devonta Smith. All right, Mike Will, four targets, two receptions, 10 yards. Will it get better? I scream no, but alas, I'll get outvoted. Yes, it will. This week it starts. It Thursday will. night? Thursday night? Thursday two night fireworks. 100 yards. Let's go. What, what was that stat line? 100 yards and two touchdowns this week for Mike Willie. All right, Let's I'll go. love to see it. I hope you bet it, if you really Let's know. Go. DJ Moore, six targets. Oh, six targets, three receptions, 43 yards. JB, let's It'll hear from better. your boy. It'll get better. It's a long season. It'll get better. Baker just got there in the middle of the offseason. It's going to get better. That whole offense is going to get better. All right. I don't e think it's getting better. Travis Etienne, he had four attempts, 47 yards, four targets, two receptions, 18 yards, and he got shellacked, one shellacking. So <laughs> what about Etienne? Does it get better? I think it personally does. I, I do, too. I think it gets better. All right. Damian Pierce, 13 attempts, 33 yards, one target, one reception, six yards. I think it gets better, especially after Lovey Smith's comments this past week saying they got to get him going a little more. I agree. I think it's going to get better, but I'm still very hesitant on if he's going to return the value he was drafted at. Aaron Bones-Jones, five attempts, 49 yards, five targets, three receptions, 27 yards. Not the best week for him, but again, Green Bay didn't have the best week one last year. It will get better for Aaron Jones. Um, they didn't have they didn't have a good week. It won't get better for long. It will get better, but it won't get better better. It's a yeah. one year one year type of thing. It's it's going to get better for Aaron Jones. All right, Najee Harris, ten carries, twenty three yards, two targets, two receptions three yards on the receiving game and a touchdown a uh, little bit of scary news with his injury, but it looks like he's going to play next week. I think it gets a lot better. I don't think it gets like, yes, it, it's going to get better than 23 yards on the ground, but they had a lead for most of that game with the amount of turnovers they caused. And I get the Bengals. They went to the super bowl. They have a good defense, but I am a little worried about Najee. I am. Joe Burr, I love hating on him. Joe Burr, definitely cold this week. <laughs> definitely cold. I think things get better, but the foot injury was lingering from camp in the offseason, so I'm definitely worried that offensive line is horrible. But I think a lot more is to come in the receiving game uh, with how that offense was looking. All right, let's look at some breakouts. 13 targets, nine receptions, 121 yards, and a touchdown for Michael Pittman. Can it get any worse? Obviously, but will this will this remain as a uh, a stable piece for your team? Does he play the Texans every week? 
And no, he doesn't. Mm, then I think it gets a little worse. I mean, I don't trust Matt Ryan, uh, but I, I think his matchup was juiced up for week one. I am I'm going to buy in on Michael Pittman, man. I think Matt Ryan, I think he looked all right in that game. Um, I, I'm buying in. I, I feel like the formula has been there all, all off season. I've just been against him because I think the touchdowns aren't going to be there because Matt Ryan's never thrown a lot of touchdowns to his number one wide receiver. But I think I'm, I think I'm buying in on Pittman, man. I think Ryan's going to be able to sustain him, And I think he's the only option in the red zone. Alec Pierce dropping a, uh, a touchdown in that game. So I, I'm buying in the formula has been there. Your three breakout, Matt Ryan, future hall of fame quarterback. I'm in, I'm in. All right, let's keep going. AJB 13 targets. In that offense, getting 13 targets is basically as much of a seal of approval as you're going to get. 13 targets, 10 reception, 155 yards. One of them was a nuke. One of them was a really long one, I think at least 50 yards. So, you know, let's say he doesn't catch that. He still gets 100 yards on the day. A.J. Brown? It's getting better somehow. <laughs> I've, I've no touchdown this week. It's, it's getting better, man. Oh, yeah. Slap a touchdown on the end of that one. The breakout is here. I'm I'm all the way. I've been in on AJ Brown for a long time, and this was just music to my music to my ears, and I don't know what for my eyes, but something good. I know our good friend Alex Whitey is rolling over right now while we're <laughs> this after he AJ Brown for Cam Akers and ETN. Man. Oh no, he got we got like dots in no. on top of it, but. Cleared the way for me. Cleared the way for you, Pete. It's going to get a lot better for A.J. Brown, and it's it's almost scary to say. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be excited seeing him play this year. He's, he's a special kind of player. I'm on Ra, 12 targets, eight receptions, 64 yards, and a touchdown. Eh. I, I think a lot of it was they were trying to catch up. They were throwing the ball. Um, they scored a lot of points. I love the Lions more than the next guy. They're not scoring 35 points every game. Jamal Williams isn't getting two touchdowns. I don't see Jared Goff just slinging it that much. So I, I see him slinging it that much, not to Amon Ra. So I'm going to say it gets worse. Yeah, I want to say it gets worse as well, and especially over the, the back half of the season and heading into next year. DJ Chark still racked up eight targets himself. That's going to be Jamison Williams in that slot. And uh, with the draft capital, they gave JMO a lot more targets than eight are going to go his way when he's on the field, I think. So, uh, yeah, I think it, I think it gets worse incrementally over the season. Say quads, Saquon Barkley, 18 attempts, 164 yards on the ground, seven targets, six receptions, 30 yards. He did have a touchdown sprinkled in there as well. Um, I remember the Michael Jordan press release on back. He's back. He's he's a league winner. If you got him in the second round of redraft, or if you got him for a steal this offseason in Dynasty with all the speculation around the Giants and their O-line and everything like that, Nixie, you have yourself a league winner, and I don't think I'd trade him for three firsts at this point. Yeah, Saquon's all the way back. Uh, he's just got to stay healthy, stay on the field, because otherwise Daples made it a point to just get him the ball, 18 attempts and seven targets. That's 
you know, 25 opportunities to touch the football. And that's all you can ask for with his ability on top. I mean, come on. All right. Antonio Gibby, Antonio Gibson, 14 times, 58 yards, eight targets, seven receptions, 72 yards. And I believe he had a fumble. I don't know if it got recovered or not. Super producer. Let's hear from your boy. Hey man, you got to love it. If you held on to Gibson for this long, I mean, this is the return. You can see that he's a talented player and He's got a really easy stretch of games coming up. He's probably just going to keep racking up points. So there's probably a sell high window in there if it's not already right now. I just don't like Dotson had two touchdowns. Curtis Samuels out here running the ball, catching the ball. You got Gibson doing this. They're barely beating Jacksonville. Like, I, Nick, how do you trust any of this super producer? I really don't understand, man. I think it's more so just about trusting the talent. And, you know, Gibson has a good profile. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's an elite athlete. I mean, that's all you can really ask for at the running back position. Who knows when Robinson comes back, but what that'll look like. But there's somebody that's going to be able to pay a premium for Gibson, I feel like, coming up here. If he keeps up racking up 20-point games, like, somebody's going to pay for him. I think the receiving work was big time. Just them trying to get him out in space with the football. I think that was super encouraging. Um, but from a long-term dynasty perspective, I do think I'm with you, Nixie. I'm looking for that next sell high window, letting it get as high as it possibly can. Feels like it starts to dip. I'm getting off the ship because there's just so much turnover at the running back position. I think once he hit a he hits a peak in value you'll be able to flip-flop him for a pretty decent piece that might have in, uh, more upside and more security uh, moving forward. So I, I think things stay hot while he's the only running back over there. And then once Brian Robinson gets back, I think things might change a little bit. All right. DeAndre Swift, 15 attempts, 144 yards, one touchdown. Could have been three in a perfect world. Targets, he gets three of them, three receptions for 31 yards. DeAndre Swift is very, very good at football. Um, he did have like a 60-yard rush, so take that with a grain of salt. He had a great week. Will he do this every week? I sure hope so. I really do. I think he has the ability to. I think if anything, the catches go up and the rushing yards go down. Touchdowns, who knows? It's a fluke every time. Saquon Barkley or DeAndre Swift in Dynasty? I'll take Swift. He's Swift. two years younger. If you're in the middle... And you need a running back for a title, Saquon or Swift? I really think they're both pretty equal this year. I think Swift's a league winner as well, just given his receiving upside. But I'd take Saquon if I'm going for it. Okay. You know what? My only thing is that the Giants don't get to play the Giants every year. <laughs> so the NFC East argument, like the Eagles are very good. The Cowboys defense, while it is worse this year, is still pretty good. And – the uh, commies defense is pretty good, but the NFC North Swift gets to play the bears twice. I'll take, I'll take Swift. I think what I'd have to go. Pay? What would you guys pay for both those players though? Like realistic dynasty really quick. That's what we play. Uh, Swift's probably worth three. He's worth three flat, probably two and a half, three. Saquon, if you're if you sell to a competitor, Saquon's probably worth three and a half. Um, I'm probably not paying more than like two firsts for any running back just because of the way I kind of 
like to run things, but I think if you're a holder and I had one of these guys, or if I'm a holder and I have one of these guys, I think Saquon, it's going to take at least two and a half first, like some kind of young prospect that I like and two 23 firsts on top. Swift's probably the, like Peter said, like three firsts in the 23 class. It's what it's going to take at this point. Cause if Swift ascends at his age and what he can do in the passing game, in a couple of years, he can still be around while we're still looking for workhorse uh, running back. So love him in dynasty. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we're about to get in a boom bust here, um, but real quick, I had a trade that I was thinking about proposing, wanted to run it by you guys, kind of see what your thoughts were. It was Rashad Bateman and a 24 first for Michael Pittman. Uh, give me Pittman for sure. Give me uh, Pittman. Yeah. Why were you going to offer that to Morton? Yeah, I was thinking about it, but, like, I don't know. I think Pittman's week one is very, very high right now, and I think Bateman kind of had that lucky catch, so he's everyone's kind of down on him. But I think a 24 first and a young wide receiver is more than enough to get Pittman, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as a podcast, we've been down on Pittman. Like, when he was going off uh, towards the middle portion of last season, we are all, like, things are going to slow down things are going to slow down and they did and i think that validated us but i think the situation's changed and everyone else loves him like i know in redraft he was creeping into the you know uh middle of the third round sometimes the early part of the second i mean the late part of the second uh so people were buying in and i think if the person that owns him in a dynasty league was in that camp which they probably were because it's easy to like players that you you roster um, I feel like it's going to be tough to pry him. Like, I feel like people are looking at him like they're looking at, I don't know, not maybe not CD Lamb as high as we were looking at him, but maybe a tear down from that. All right. With that being said, let's move into our crystal ball picks for this week. All right, super producer. We'd love to do the snake draft around here. If you're new, you'll find that out real quick. Put us in the perfect snake draft order. I'm going to go with what's in the show doc, Peter, Jace, and then Max. All right. I'll start off with my boom this week. Uh, it's a player I actually really don't like. So this will definitely tell you how enthused I am about this player in the upcoming week. Last year, we found a trend where we were saying any screen play, uh, screen player. So like Jalen Waddle was a perfect example of a screen pass player and or running backs that catch the ball we're going to absolutely demolish the Jets. And we kind of found that out early, and it was very true. Uh, those, those, the Jets were just terrible against the running back and terrible against screened wide receivers. This season, I think it's going to be different. We looked at the Jets' uh, PFF grades this past week. I think they had the number one cornerback duo. Uh, the cornerbacks alone, one reception for eight yards on the whole day against the Ravens, yet they still found a way to lose. Why is that? The defense only let up 65 yards rushing to the entire team. Why is that? The rush defense is fine. The linebackers and safeties cannot play coverage. Seeing it firsthand, it was very demoralizing. Watching the safeties get burned and backup corners. So this week, I'm going with David Njoku from the Cleveland Browns, being able to absolutely crush his ADP, uh, not his ADP, his projection. I think he's projected around seven points. Wouldn't surprise me if he re, uh, creeps up into the 10, 11 range. Definitely a streamable tight end for your teams this week. Uh, again, the Jets just cannot play through the middle 
at cornerback. The only reason Mark Andrews had a semi-decent week is because Sauce Gardner was guarding him. If Sauce wasn't guarding him, he would have had probably 30, 30 points. Giving a lot of credit to Sauce there. Sauce won his entire day. Any any uh, route he had, one, to- uh, one catch, eight yards. So got to give the man some credit against you, the Ravens too. You trust David and Joku with Jacoby Brissett. Like Jacoby did not look that great. I mean, he was having. Yes. Okay. All right. I trust him to put up at least above his projection. So I think around 10 points. He, I think he sneaks a touchdown in there too. The Jets run defense is very stout and their corner play is awesome. So they're going to have to find somewhere else. Jacoby Brissett, since being in the league, has targeted tight ends at a top five rate as well. We didn't necessarily see that in week one, but it could definitely be on full display. David and Joku, touchdown scorer prop. Sure, sure. Get some good plus money for sure. All right, let's move on, JB. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, a guy I, I, I wasn't very high on, haven't been very high on dynasty-wise. I'm still not that high on, but I'm going to go with Trey Lance at home versus Seattle. I think Seattle's going to be coming in riding just way too high after beating Russ in Seattle and that big uh, – just that big Monday night game and everything that happened and everything that's gone on this off season. Um, the most of the game in week one against Chicago in Chicago, it was just a rainy mess. The field was disgusting. Dudes were slipping and sliding everywhere. The ball was soaking wet. I mean, I'm really not going to hold much of this game against either Trey Lance or Justin Fields for that matter. I mean, uh, not to mention Kittle was gone for Trey Lance. I think he's probably going to come back here week two, be another weapon for him. But I think the Niners, after getting upset, are going to come in angry. They're going to play well. I think they're going to put up a ton of points at home uh, versus Seattle. And I think Trey Lance is going to get a lot going on the on the ground against Seattle. This past week, he took off for thir- 13 times, ran for 54 yards, I think he's going to rack up some more rushing attempts with the loss of Elijah Elijah Mitchell, uh, the hodgepodge of guys that they got at running back. I think they're going to have to use his legs, maybe run the 15, 16, 17 times and rack up close to 80 yards and hopefully get in the the end zone. I think he's a super high upside play, and I think he's going to smash. Yeah, I think everyone's writing him off just due to the weather and the circumstances there in Chicago. But like all the things you mentioned there, no Kittle. You have no Elijah Mitchell this week. I think they're going to come back with a vengeance. So I do still believe in Trey Lance. I think if you can go out and get him at a value and super flex would totally recommend that he's young. They invested a lot of draft capital in this guy. So they're not going to give up on him after one week, two weeks, four weeks, even they're going to give him a season. They're going to see what he can do. And I believe in Kyle Shanahan, the system, and I believe in Trey Lance's legs. So JB love the pick. John Lynch confirmed not a dummy. He made the pick for a big reason and a correct reason, in my opinion, grabbing uh, Trey Lance there. So we'll see what he can do springing back next week. Max, who's your boom? I wanted to do Mike Will, Peter. I really did. Oh, if you did, I would have jumped through the, the computer and strangled you. Oh, well, I'm glad I didn't then. But I did Cortland Sutton versus Houston. I think Judy scored last week. I think it's Cortland Sutton's turn. Michael Pittman, we talked about him. He had nine catches for 121 yards and a touchdown versus uh, Houston in a tie. I think Russ is going to be coming out with a vengeance as well. He's going to want to smoke the Texans. Sutton was definitely his go-to on deep balls. He threw a couple of moonshots to him, didn't connect. There was a pass interference there. 
I expect Sutton to have a great game. Wouldn't be surprised to see him have a stat line like Michael Pittman, um, seven, eight catches, 100 yards, and a touchdown. I love, love, love the pick. I wanted to make Jerry Judy my pick two weeks in a row. I think both of these guys can coexist. I think they can coexist in the same game. Like, I mean, I'm just so excited for both of these guys. If I have both of them, I feel like you could get away with starting both of them in your wide receiver one and wide receiver two slots. I think they can both coexist in this offense. Uh, they want to throw the ball. We saw him throw it to the running backs. We're going to see him throw it to their wide receivers more. Russ is coming back to cook. Revenge game is done with. The emotions are over. The loss happened. It's time for uh, it's time for him to explode here in week two. I'm pumped. I'm pumped as well, man. Peter? Yeah, I look at Cortland Sutton, and I just saw he was underutilized, to be honest, uh, this past game. I don't know whether that's the emotion of Seattle playing out of their mind. Uh, but I think I think they will fight. They will figure out a way. That's the correct verbiage there. They'll figure out a way to get him cooking. I could see maybe six receptions, 85 yards. You sprinkle in a touchdown there. That's a pretty big week. Absolutely. As we do it on this podcast, we are going to snake it back around here. Uh, my bust of the week is going to be playoff Lenny. Leonard Fournette, he plays New Orleans. Last season in game one versus New Orleans, eight carries, 26 yards. Game two versus New Orleans, nine carries, 34 yards. New Orleans is usually known for a very stout run defense. I know Cordero Patterson had a very nice day last week. I don't see them letting that kind of rushing like upside go again, um, especially two times in a row. That offensive line is very shaky. They talked about it a lot on Sunday Night Football there. Um, he looked good. He looked really good versus Dallas. I don't Collins where it screeched it on Monday night football. I wouldn't say yeah, he said it. His, his but... voice, but he looked very good. I would be selling Leonard Fournette right now. Um, just given the amount of volume that he got. I, I mean, he's 27 years old. He's been in the league for a very, very long time. I don't see him being having any value after the season. So I think if you're, team isn't where you want to be you got some unlucky injuries after week one you still got Lenny on your team I think you sell him to a competitor and you just go off week one and say hey go get go get yourself a championship when in reality I think it's it's downhill from here yeah I think the one thing that could save him is the receiving work I think he could PPR his way to a decent floor game but the, I feel like the ceiling in this upcoming matchup against the Saints is is not a good one, um, which transitions me right into my bust of the week. I'm going with Mike Evans. Chris Godwin hurt. Russell Gage didn't look like himself. Julio still relatively unproven. Marshawn Lattimore and the Saints are going to be able to key on Mike Evans. And since Tom Brady has been in Tampa, let me read off the stat lines for Mike Evans against New Orleans. Last season, week eight, Mike Evans put up four targets, two catches, 48 yards and one touchdown, just a black game, 11.8. That's not wide receiver one. Uh, and then week 15, he only played 23% of the snaps, but one target, one catch, 14 yards, no touchdowns. 2020, week one against New Orleans, four targets, one catch, one touchdown, 6.7 half PPR fantasy points, not getting the job done. Week nine, six targets, four catches, 64 yards, no touchdown, 8.4 points. This is just a horrible matchup. It's been a historically bad matchup for Mike Evans. He had a great first week, 
first week, he might slip into the end zone because he just does that every once in a while. But the the catches and the yards, I don't think they're going to be there. Yeah, I'll, I'll lead us off here. I really don't think that the catches and the yards will be there for Mike Evans, just like you said, JB. Uh, he always gets locked down by New Orleans. But again, at the end of the day, it's Tom Brady. So it's always a bold bet to bet against uh, probably the greatest to ever play the game of football. Uh, I don't know. I, I can see Mike Evans not returning his like expected points this week. I can't see a like a some zero game where he just really completely falls flat on his face. But I can I can see a game where he doesn't live up to uh, his standard of play. Yeah, no, I, I can as well, I think. Marshawn Lattimore is his daddy. He does it every single year. So, JB, there's really nothing else for me to add here. All right. Peter, bust All right. of the week. We will get into my bust of the week, which is going to be our last one that we're going to be talking about, sadly. Um, but I, in the past, last week, I did one based on math, one based on my gut. Last week, I had Hertz, which was data-driven. And then Zeke, which was, you know, more like my feeling and instinct. This week, I had David Njoku, which is more data-driven. This, And I have Drake London. Uh, I know it's really hard to say that a rookie is going to bust in his second week. But if you are playing in deeper leagues or he's your flex play, I just really cannot start him at all this week. Jalen Ramsey got embarrassed on national television this past week. And he is going to be matched up against a rookie wide receiver I think this is a way that that Rams defense kind of comes back. I think they completely embarrass the Falcons and it's going to be like a 20 point spread game. I'd be, I wouldn't be surprised in the least if they just blow them out of the water. Uh, so I think Drake London, maybe finishing his stat line is going to come out with like three catches at the most. I really think it's three at the most for like 20 yards. I'm with you on that one. Same with Kyle Pitts. I mean, He's the second-year option there, so maybe Pitts, he can get something done more, but a tough matchup for the both of them, and definitely Drake London. Rookie wide receivers in general to start seasons always start off. I mean, with the rare exceptions of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. I mean, even Justin Jefferson actually started his career off wildly slow. Um, so just pretty much Jamar Chase coming out with a bang over the most recent years. So I uh, I like this pick, and, yeah, people getting hype after this week one performance let, let's wait and see what he can do here as a rookie with Mariota slash Ritter. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this week will be very interesting. I mean, the Falcons, they had a lead for most of the game versus New Orleans last week. So I think it's going to be a new kind of offense for them. I, let's see how they handle it. Let's see what they're willing to do when they're getting blown out by 40 points at halftime to the Rams who are going to want to win this game super, super badly. Um, so I, I like this pick a lot, Peter, and I think three catches is a little low. I maybe go like five catches for like kind of like a DK stat line last night, like a five for like 35. All right, that is going to wrap up our episode. Wanted to thank everybody for making it to the end. Wanted to thank Max for inter interrupting my uh, little end segment here. Max, what's going on? Yeah, just had a question. I wanted to leave the listeners um, and also Jace with a thought-provoking idea of a trade that I don't know that I would do, but I wanted to gauge your opinion on it, JB. I think it could be interesting for listeners. Um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on something like, you know, CD Lamb 
for Cortland Sutton, Rashad Bateman, and like a 24 first. No, I think I would hold on to CD still. You heard it here, folks. He's a crazy man. I think that's man. a lot. It's a lot. I, that that's a lot. Um, that's three. That's three and a half first, JB. At least. I think. I mean, I'm not the biggest Bateman guy. The twenty. I mean, it's tempting. I think right now, if I'm hunting for first, I want to get my it, with guys that can I can use to acquire twenty three firsts. I want to go try to get twenty three first. So I accept that the value is there, and that that is provoking. That that's making me think, but. Like I said, I want to get my hands on 23 first if I can. And I think CD can fetch multiple of those. Fair enough, JB. I just thought I'd, I don't, I don't think I would do that because it would really decimate my team with depth. I mean, losing my, the 24 first Bateman Sutton, who I think is going to have a great year, um, but it would be cool to have CD. So, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, CD put up 11 targets in this game too. So I know things looked bad. Some drops were there, bad passes were there, but I mean, I think what we wanted to see was Dak attack him as a number one. And we did see that. So I think down the road, I'm still, like I said earlier, I value him very highly in dynasty. Still, none of this really hurts his stock, especially for me coming straight out of a rebuilder lens. So um, this season's a wash to me in a lot of ways when I look at it. So. No deal strikes between the Monarchs, but the greatest deal happened this past week. One retweet equaled a signed Javonta Williams jersey. Wanted to shout out to Matt Driscoll for winning the Javonta jersey giveaway, signed Javonta jersey giveaway. Wanted to thank everybody for making it to the end. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Dynasty Monarchy. Nick C and JB are pumping it out over there doing a great job. So wanted to just grow our presence and give back to the fantasy community over there on Twitter. We will just like uh, at the end of the James Bond's movies where it goes, James Bond will return. It'll be like Jersey giveaways will return. So I <laughs> wanted to uh, thank everybody for making it to the end. Real quick while we have everyone here, um, be on the lookout. Peter is actually coming to the land. We are having a, a full squad meetup this week. JB will not be there, but we'll have more than half our league. So we're going to be posting photos. We'll be posting videos. Um, I'm sure a lot of deals will be struck this weekend. So we'll throw those out there as well. But Peter, really looking forward to have you in the land and for you to finally meet Super Producer face-to-face. Oh, boy. I hope it's everything I wanted and more. And I'll eat a galley boy with you guys. Thanks, everybody, for making it to the end. Peace out. Peace, peace, peace. Thank you for listening to the Dynasty Monarchy Podcast. Fancy some fantasy advice? Tweet or DM at Dynasty Monarchy on Twitter. Until next time, farewell, my fellow kings and queens. <laughs>